Welcome back to Art House Garage. You are listening to episode 11. My name is Andrew Sweatman. I'm Amy Harrington. And we are talking today about the newest film from the Coen brothers, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. We are thrilled to have Amy back. You know, it's something I hear on other podcasts. People say, friend of the show, so-and-so, so-and-so. So this is my first ever time to say that. But I think, Amy, you qualify as a friend of the show. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> you're our first repeated guest. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have you today. And um, was we were just texting. I was like, hey, you should watch that new Coen Brothers movie. We could talk about it. And so I'm glad that worked out. But um, how have you been, Amy? What have you been watching lately? I've been well. Uh, really, I've just watched TV type things yeah. recently. Of course, This Is Us. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Favorite. And... I've started watching Girls on HBO because I oh, yeah. did watch that and I felt like I needed to experience yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I really like it. So I have actually not watched This Is Us, but my wife has watched, I think, all of Parenthood. So I've caught some of that. And I know they're somewhat similar. People compare those two. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's like family and emotional and stuff. And so I think I would enjoy This Is Us. I've heard really good things about it. Oh, I think you would enjoy it even more than Parenthood. All right. Because it's well, different it. eras hmm. of time. Oh, really? Not Is it not present. It's, it's about oh, multiple like a, generations, but not only wow. the current generations, but those different generations in their different eras of life and decades. So and it like jumps around and shows like the grandfather yes. when he was young. Wow. Yes. I had no idea. That sounds really cool. Oh. There you go. Well, I have watched Girls and I really like it. It's been a while. Is it? Is it still going or did it have its final season? I think its final season was in 2017. Okay. I think that's the only season I haven't watched. Okay. I think that's right. But uh, yeah, it's good. I really like it. And there's a lot of great um, just performances from all the main girls. Um, I particularly like, uh, I don't know the actress name, Shoshana. She cracks me up. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, But then Adam Driver is such a great just oh, in general like it's so cool to see him before he was really known yes and uh yeah big fan of his and he's so uh he's so kind of he's very weird, weird. and creepy in it um and uh i think it's later it's probably in season two or something but she describes him he's like really creeping her out more than usual and he says she says hannah the main person lena dunham says uh, usually he's kind of like murdery in a hot way, but lately yes. he's been kind of murdery in a murdery way. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm on season so two funny. now and I'm pretty sure uh, that just happened. <laughs> I've never forgotten that. It's so funny. I think I love that show and the way the dialogue is written because it's so different than the way most people probably communicate, but it feels like real most of the time and it feels really somehow true to that kind of thing. Yes. Like I know people who communicate that way even though it's not where I'm at. I don't know. I really like, that's one of the things I enjoy the most about it. One of my friends, Kristen, when I first started Mm -hmm. watching it, she said, okay, so are you a Hannah? (laughs) Are you a Marnie? And I was like, oh no, this is like a Sex and the City type thing. (laughs) I kind of got the wrong character. Yeah, that's funny. It's great. Yeah, I'll bet you could really do a lot of, I've been reading some about the Enneagram, you know, like their types and stuff. I bet you could do a lot of cool stuff with girls and Enneagram. Oh, gosh, a, cool, I bet. a cool blog post or something. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, okay. I think that's it for me. Um, yeah. Oh, wait. I did 
get my dad to watch Crazy Rich Asians every Thanksgiving. Uh, and yeah. he actually he liked, it? liked it. Yes. Nice. So, you know. Is it surprising to you that he liked it? Mm, no, my mom was pretty confident. She was like, yeah. oh, he'll think this is funny. Is he like averse to like rom-com kind of stuff most no, of the time? No, because he has spent the last he almost 30 it. years with three women in the house. So bless his he heart. just got used to it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah okay. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I've uh, I've caught a couple of things. I got to go see the movie Widows over Thanksgiving break, which was very good. So it's Steve McQueen who did 12 Years a Slave and a movie called Hunger and a movie called Shame. I've only seen 12 Years a Slave, but um, was really impressed with like the the way he directed it and and, like some of the visual stuff, like all of it. I mean, that movie's incredible and so moving. But Mm -hmm. um, Widows is very different because so if you don't know, it's about... um, a group of male thieves who basically get killed at the beginning and during a job. And then their widows basically are obligated to the, the people that they were robbing to carry out, to pay back the money. And so they have to basically then carry out a heist and uh, Viola Davis is the lead in it. She's so, so good. And then uh, Michelle Rodriguez is in it. And um, Liam Neeson is the, one of the, the thieves who dies at the beginning, but he, uh, there's a lot of flashbacks and stuff, so he's in it quite a bit. And the story's just told really well. Colin Farrell plays this um, kind of, I don't know what the word, sketchy politician kind of guy. Perfect. Um, yeah, he's really good at that. And uh, Daniel Kaluuya is the, uh, so there's a there's an election part of it too, so it's, it gets very political. Um, anyway, oh. Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya from Get Out mm-hmm. it has a pretty major role, and he's like super scary. He's like a henchman who he's like terrifying the whole time. Anyway, it's very, very good. Um, it ends up being less action and more just kind of drama and, and really good dialogue and stuff, which I love about it. Um, but yeah, I will highly recommend that. Okay. And then um, I, this is not a movie, but it's movie related. I got to go see uh, here in Little Rock, Steve Martin and Martin Short came to town. They're doing this tour for a couple of years now, I guess, where they're just going around and they have this two man show and it's music and comedy and it was really really funny so i want to first yeah it it was it really worked out too so my dad had the ticket he uh, he and my mom were going to go and uh i kind of forgot about it because i was like well i can't probably get off work or like it's you know it's a little more out of my price range to to do it but i knew they were coming and i was kind of that'd be cool to go but then i forgot what day it was i was walking downtown and i walked right past steve martin i was like was that steve Uh martin Oh my gosh. And uh, then I like I posted on Facebook. I think I should walk past Steve Martin. And my friend was like, he just came in the Nexus coffee shop. So uh, that was cool. Oh Steve Martin gosh. was just rolling around town. And then that night, my parents, unfortunately, had car trouble in the storm, which was terrible. They were fine. They made it home and everything. But they were like, we'll feel much better about this whole situation if someone can use these tickets that we spent money for. Would you and Allison be able to go? So we were able to get a sitter last minute, which is also wild and doesn't happen, but me and Allison got to go and it was so much fun. There was them uh, just making fun of each other. Like, I love traveling with Martin because there's never any paparazzi following him, like stuff like that. Uh-huh. Just really funny. And then Steve Martin plays banjo and they have a musical guest that whom my dad was the most interested in seeing. So I got to report that they were fantastic as well, uh, called I'm With Her, if you're into like bluegrass at all. I, I'm not really oh. in that world, but they were really, really good. Um, yeah. My dad is, so yeah, let him know. I'm exposed. <laughs> yeah. 
People are so easily distracted. So I'm the distractor with a little story. People can't get enough of them. Because, well, they connect the stories to themselves, I suppose. And we all love hearing about ourselves. So long as the people in the stories are us. But not us. This'll tell the tale. Let's move on and talk about this new movie. Uh, it's called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, it is directed by the Coen brothers. It's pretty unusual and kind of literary. So actually, I'm glad that you, my English major friend, are the one discussing with me because it did. It's it's told in, in it's basically six short films, but tied together. And it opens up on this book opening and it's turning the pages through these stories. And they really feel like short stories. Like it really it kind of reminded me of like, Flannery O'Connor stories I had read in college, that kind of stuff. Like, obviously this is more Western where she was like really Southern, but kind of the way it's, here's like a really small little story, but somehow it points to like truths about life, you know, the way Flannery O'Connor was so good at doing. Um, But so it is, it's very much a Western. All these stories are Western stories, but they hit very different uh, tones and different aspects of the Western. Um, So I think it's kind of cool just in general about Westerns, it is one of the oldest film genres. Um, if you follow Arthouse Garage on Instagram, um, I talked about this on my stories a few months ago, but Westerns is not a genre I've ever really connected with that much until pretty recently. Like my parents would watch John Wayne movies and I always thought they were kind of boring or um, I didn't really get like, what's the big deal? But then there's all these directors I love who keep making Westerns. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good. And, and so finally over time, I've just realized like you have to be thrilled or like learn to be thrilled by the things that are going to be happening in a Western, like cowboys right. and horses and shootouts. And um, the cowboy song um, is, is a thing that they kind of poke fun at in this movie. Yes. And it's so I, one that I watched recently, which is one of the best Westerns ever, people say, is uh, called Rio Bravo. And it's a John Wayne movie. Yeah. And that's, and it has a great cowboy song, but it's just this kind of funny thing. Um, a trope of the Western genre, I guess, is that often they'll just break out into song and they'll have a cowboy song and it's, you know, these rugged men singing a song together. And it's kind of a funny thing. Um, so that comes into the first of these stories, but anyway, it's, it, you can see the Coen brothers love for Westerns and, also the way they're kind of picking them apart a little bit, I think. Um, yes. But also just telling really great stories through the genre. Um, yeah, they all they all worked really well. And they kind of, there was a lot of um, kind of a production background. There's a lot of rumors that, oh, they're making a TV show. And that this ended up like being changed into a movie. Apparently that's not true from what I've read online. It's, it was always intended to be a movie in six parts mm-hmm. like this. And they're very different lengths. So that makes sense. Um, but people were like, oh, the Coens are finally doing TV. Like, no, not really. Um, but then this movie also is sort of, this not that important for a discussion, but kind of interesting. Um, Netflix and theaters and awards controversy, um, they are playing this in theaters, this and two other movies for a few weeks, mostly so that they are eligible for awards. 
Um, and then there's a lot of people saying, well, it's bad for the theater chains because people are just going to wait three weeks and go home and watch it on Netflix. And then they know uh, like the theaters are going to lose money. And anyway, so there's, there's a lot of talk about that. So this movie has been kind of part of that as well. Um, just, just an interesting thing about it. I think this would play really well on the big screen, I think. Um, oh yeah. I yeah. think though, they do probably need to do some changes to the rules around eligibility. Yeah. Just because the white people view movies now has changed drastically. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. And um, like if I had the choice, I would go to the theater, but I don't know that most people would do that. Uh, and, you know, I don't often get to go to the movies having two small kids and all that. But um, yeah, so there's a whole other discussion to be had there. But um, yeah, well, let's let's get into it. So we're going to kind of go through each of the six parts, tell kind of what we connected with there, what we think we can kind of learn from it. Um, so let's get right into it. And so we are going to talk about spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's very easy to watch it. It's on Netflix. It's just over two hours. Um, and you can also, so also being a parent with small kids, I have to watch things in pieces a lot, like pause, watch an hour here, pause, wait a week, watch the rest. But this is a good one to do that because it's split up automatically for you. And I did, I think it took me three, three sittings to watch all of this, which is crazy, but. Well, I did it in two, so. Yeah. There yeah, it's really easy. So Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. So the first section is called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is the title of the whole thing, of course. Um, so, Amy, what, what did you like about this one? What did you connect with about it? I liked immediately that he broke the fourth wall barrier. Yeah. He just immediately starts talking to the person watching the film. And... He likes to sing. He so does, that was yeah. pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah. He's, what do they call him? Like the, the songbird of the whatever part yes. of the country. I don't remember the exact <laughs> name, but it's, uh, so it's Tim Blake Nelson, who is, I, he, it seems, it reminds me a lot of his character in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same directors and all that too. Um, I think you can probably pull a lot of comparison. One, because he's singing and that so much of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? is musical. Um, and kind of about the, I don't know, the power of music in that, in that context. But um, he's so great in it, Tim Blake Nelson. He um, he almost is like, so it's almost like a parody of westerns because he literally is riding around with no hands, singing a song on his guitar on this beautiful white horse and his beautiful white um, duds. You know, he he uh, even refers to them as, "Don't be fooled by my my my." clean duds and my pleasant demeanor. I'm an outlaw, you know, <laughs> that, so I love that about it. He's almost like, it's like godlike figure of like a cartoon of what a perfect Westerner would be in, in a movie like this, you know, but then, so there's like this cowboy, uh, singing cowboy, happy go lucky musicals kind of Western. And then there's like grittier, darker Westerns, like the good, the bad, and the ugly, or something where it's shootouts and people dying, and this puts those together, kind of smashes those two things together. And I, I think you can. It's just really entertaining to watch. For it's, I think it's easily the funniest of the six uh, sections. And sort of, I'll argue with that. you I'll argue with that? with that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have? Oh, you want? Was it the next one that you, were, you yeah. think was funnier? All right. Well, we'll get there in a minute, but. Um, yeah, so I think that was really great about it. Um, I love the 
the dialogue of it, which also reminded me of Oh Brother Art Thou. Again, it's like that's Southern, whereas this is Western, but it's such a specific dialect that he is like really just they push it to the limit of like how how he's speaking. I don't know. And Oh Brother Arthur they, the most you know, extreme. Yeah. It's um so in Oh Brother Arthur they do that too where they have them saying it's extreme kind of southern, but it's also like they'll say really I don't know, they'll use vocabulary you wouldn't expect. And it's like <laughs> a funny turn of phrase. It's very witty. Um but at the same time it's very like tuned into that dialect. And I think they do that like I think about raising Arizona as well where it's like the over-the-top Southern stuff, but it's so funny. Anyway, um, and then the, the songs are all really great. I keep listening to them on, on iTunes. And uh, yeah, but I had one favorite quote from this one was um, he's talking at the beginning to, to the camera, and he says something about a song helps get the make the day go by. And he says, during the day's measure of hoof clops, uh, you know, music helps the time pass. Just the way he speaks is so funny. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. What did you um, have like a favorite moment out of it? Uh, well, this is big spoiler, yeah. but even when he's dead, he still <laughs> yeah. insists that he's the best. Mm -hmm. And here I am still talking to the audience. Yeah. It matters not to me. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. And he has his little wings. <laughs> yes. And you kind of see the whole town. I don't know. It's so weird. The way like, and the Coen brothers do this in all their movies, I think, where it's like, it shows you something, but there's like this weird, deeper feeling behind it of like, somehow seeing the overview of the whole town pulls you back into perspective of of humanity. I don't know. It's kind of weird. And I don't, can't specifically say what I mean by that. But I think all of their movies make me think about life in a bigger way than just the one story. Mm -hmm. And especially like just short stories in literature tend to do that too. It's like, here's a really specific thing that's going to pull in some deeper truths. Um, so I also thought about like out with the old and in with the new kind of feeling. And um, yes. he's, it's like, I'm going to pass on, but there's some other outlaw that will take my place as being sort of the king of these parts or something like that. And right. um, their song is kind of about that you know, saying goodbye to your last cowboy song and, and all that. Um, the, the guy that kills him, interesting fun fact is, um, the singer from old crow medicine show that, what? Uh, yeah, that kind of folksy band. Oh, how funny. But I'm not that familiar with, but I know a couple of their songs. It was like, well, I've got a good singer. It's nice. Hmm. There you go. Well, let's move on to part two, which is called near Algodones. I think that's how you um, say that. I'm not 100% on that. But, sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. It's, uh, I looked it up on Wikipedia just now. And it's Los Algodones is uh, a small Mexican town near the border of Mexico and California. So anyway, uh, it opens up with James Franco, which I don't know if he's done a Western before, but he has such a great face for like when he's like looking dirty and with his cowboy hat, I was like, yes, James yes, Franco on a Western. Yeah, yeah. So that was immediately awesome. And then, um, you know, as I'm talking, I, I think you may be right. This is the funniest because the, the pan, pan shot situation was really hilarious. Oh, there's so many things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll let you recap what all, what all happens in this one. And um, what do you like the best about it? Well, basically the, overview is there's this bank sitting in the middle of yeah. nowhere and james franco comes to rob it yeah. and 
he approaches the window and he just is literally asking the teller, have you ever been robbed? And the guy's like, well, somebody tried. And so then he proceeds to rob the bank and the teller is crazy. Yeah. He has shotguns ready and oh my gosh, it's, it's hysterical. So the teller, by the way, is Stephen Root, who is from Office Space. He's the guy with the red stapler. He's in a lot of other funny <laughs> things, but he's so good in this too. He's like talking a mile a minute. Anyway, go on. So James thinks he has escaped and he's waiting outside because he knows the teller is somewhere because there's literally nothing else. The teller escapes out the back. James gets the money, runs, waits. Here he comes, <laughs> dressed in pots and pants as body armor. It's just too hysterical. I love it. So one thing that's cool about the movie is that you have one illustration, much like you would have in a, in a book you know, from any era, but like an older kind of book where you have like a, a few pages of color images in between stories. So you get like a little preview and it's a picture of the guy with the pots and pans and it says pan shot. And uh, that's, that <laughs> made me laugh so hard once I figured out, cause I was like, what is that? And then you see it. Yeah. Crazy. So it kind of has, it continues on from there as he uh, basically is about to, yeah, take yeah, okay. away. He, uh, yeah. he is about to be hanged and uh, there's a whole situation there where some native Americans at the last minute come and, um, take or attack, ambush these guys that are about to hang him. And so then he's the one person left there just hanging his, his horse, keeps crawling further. He's sitting on a horse and tied to this tree. Uh, and basically it's like a countdown of how long he can last. And then the last minute he gets saved. And then, and then it's pulled back into this town where he's like, oh, this guy stole horses. Even though he didn't, he was just guilty by association with the guy who saved his life ends up on the hanging block right. again. And then another hilarious moment is the guy next to him on the, they're hanging four guys at once. The guy next to him is crying and he's like, he looks over and goes first time, <laughs> which just really cracked me up. So <laughs> the best part. yeah, so we're spoiling not only plot, but also jokes. So hopefully you've already watched it. Otherwise we're ruining all the punchlines, but uh, it's really good. So <laughs> what, what did you have? Like, um, so yeah, pan shot is, just hilarious but did you have anything else to say about uh what you connected with on this this episode well you know it's kind of a metaphor for mm. life it's just like it just you just gotta get back up and keep on going yeah i yeah, know i think that's that's a good way to look at it because he he's like at the edge of death many times it seems like he just like barely yeah. scrapes by and figures out the next thing to do yeah and especially like the whole thing of he narrowly narrowly escapes death and then the next day gets killed anyway <laughs> so right. and he really narrowly escapes it multiple yeah. times because we've got the mm -hmm. teller the guys on the horse hanging him then the indians don't kill him yeah it's just like <laughs> crazy so yeah, and anyway. you think they're going to too or you think they're going to save him at first the guy which is another hilarious thing the indian guy yeah. comes up and he's like giving him these like serious eyes and then he like, does he steal his gun or something and like laughs at him and rolls away? It's like, ah, bye. Um, yeah. So I think you can look at, there's probably a streak of nihilism in a lot of Coen brothers movies where it's like life is meaningless kind of maybe sometimes is what they're thinking. Um, but I think you can kind of see that here because it's like, Oh, he survived. He survived. He survived. Well, death caught him in the end. 
really quickly anyway. So there's that. Um, yeah, but I really an enjoyable one to, to, to watch. All right, well, let's move on to the next part, which is called Meal Ticket, which has this Liam. This was the worst one. The worst one. <laughs> it has Liam Neeson. And uh, do you know, so again, this is kind of a spoiler. So if you haven't watched it, we're ruining it for you. So go watch it and then listen. But he's going around with um, this performer who has no arms and no legs. And he's you know reading soliloquies from the Bible and poetry and all these beautiful words. He's reading them with such feeling. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what's going on. It just kind of shows their lives as Liam Neeson just takes this guy around, barely makes a living for the both of them. Um, but quick fun fact, I was looking at the actor who plays the performer and I was like, who is this guy? Do you, did you, I looked it up too. Yeah. <laughs> it's Dudley Dursley looking different than he did yes. in Harry Potter. Exactly. Handsome young man. He's a good looking guy. And it was like, wow, who is this guy? He's a great, he has a great face. Where have I seen him? <laughs> it's Dudley. So that was funny. Um, but I like how this one, so why do you think it was the worst one? Just because it's like dark and sad? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All I wrote down was sad. <laughs> it is. It's very sad. Um, it's kind of interesting at first, like what's going on with this show? And it kind of reveals what's going to happen, like what their their show is. And um, then you see their relationship is not close. Like they don't even talk not to each all. other. He's purely using this guy as a meal ticket, which is the name of the show, the name of the episode. Um well, and he only uses him as a meal ticket until something better comes along. Exactly, yeah. So I think you can also see, you know, show business, the dark side of show business a little bit. Like, this is all for money and who cares about the people working for me, which sadly is a theme in Hollywood. Um, and I thought, too, so the, the act that replaces them is the chicken that can do math, <laughs> which also really laugh. But it's, oh. yeah, it's, and it's, it's very, I think it's darkly funny. Like, I was like, this is sad, but also I'm kind of laughing about it um, because I think you can kind of see like high art versus low art kind of a thing because, you know, as, as much of it's like, you know, a quote unquote freak show of like, look at this guy with no arms and no legs. He is putting out some of the greatest words the human race has ever produced, you know, and he's reading them with his passion. And so I think you can, he reads like from the constitution and, and all these things. Gettysburg. Yeah. Yeah. Like from Gettysburg address. Yeah. And some, some, some of the Bible and notice the, the Ozymandias poem, what's that actually mm-hmm. called? I can't remember the name of the well, poem. And I don't know that he ever, does he ever speak any words that aren't mm. written by someone else? I don't think he does. I think you're right. He just kind of like shows how he's feeling with his face and, mm-hmm. Like I, another reason I think you can read it as darkly funny. Maybe I'm just like <laughs> a morbid person for thinking it's funny, but like the, the brothel situation also like oh. kind of disturbing, but also I think it's supposed to be kind of funny. I, I, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'm ba- a bad person, but, um, <laughs> and then, yeah. So like high art versus low art. And it's like, they're struggling. They're the best words the English language has ever produced and they're struggling to survive and like two people are coming to their show and then over across town is this chicken who can do math and it's like, right. like the dumbest entertainment possible and it's making so much money i think you can read that a lot like that's human nature that that feels very true to i don't know 2018 society and probably always uh, the way human beings have been so For sure anyway yeah but yeah i did like that one it was so unusual yeah and kind of off-putting in the way the tone is and i love that too because 
like the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the first one, the tone is kind of all over the place, but it's like really funny and, and like kind of straightforwardly funny and then really violent. But then in this one, it's so very different and very melancholy and slow. And, and then it ends very tragically as well. And I did not, I did not pick up on that until it had happened. Oh, like what he was, I was like, is he thinking about what I think he's thinking about? And then it happened. Yeah. I haven't seen Liam Neeson looking so Western-y and scraggly before either. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Liam Neeson. So let's move on to the next one, which is called All Gold Canyon, which is uh, Tom Waits, which is cool. The musician who has such a great voice speaking and Mm -hmm. singing. Um, And like, I knew he was in some movies. I haven't seen him in a lot of things as an actor, but He's so good. He's like the only, for most of this, the only human being in it. And he like totally carries it. And, um, you know, he's this gold prospector and he's like talking to himself even. And I think there's always a risk when someone's just talking to themselves that it can be really unbelievable or something, but like he just does so well with it. And um, yeah, I really, I really like this one, even though I don't know, I don't really have too much to say about it. I was thinking about, no. yeah, do you, what do you have to say about it? It's just a very simple, easy to understand concept, really. Yeah. And I kind of liked that after the heaviness of the mm-hmm. last one. But I loved that he was just like on the hunt for gold mm-hmm. and he kept saying, I know the gold is there. Like, I'm ca- he keeps calling it Mr. Pocket. Mm-hmm. He's going to find that pocket of gold. He's mm-hmm. like, Mr. Pocket. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah this one was really funny, too. I liked it. And it has like a dark twist at the end sort of mm-hmm. where where the another person shows up and tries to steal it all. But um, yeah, I, I first I thought it was going to go, and I think this is probably a little bit of a theme of it. It was like man versus nature because you have this, and if you, I think I, so I paused it on, on Netflix and read like the caption under the photo and it said something about a place where humans had never been or like some something like that. Mm-hmm. And then it opens on this beautiful valley. It's so green and lush and the animals are at peace. And then he shows up and the animals kind of retreat. So that's kind of the first thing you see. And so I thought it was going to be, you know, he's going to show up and ruin this place um, and and the animals are going to die or something like that. But that's not at all where it goes. When he leaves at the end, they come back out. And so I don't know, maybe it's showing that man and nature can coexist. Um, Even though he was using the land for its resources, I guess, and he still steals the owl's eggs. Um, and then he's like taking the gold. Well, but only right. Not all <laughs> only of one them. of them, right? I love that line too. Really good. How high can a bird count anyway? <laughs> that cracked me up. But yeah, so it seemed, and, and it's not like he's seen as a villain at all either. I don't think. No, Maybe you can I, read it that way, but that wasn't my that's feeling. True. But uh, but I feel like I really loved that. It, in his perseverance paid off, and in the end, you know. Yeah. He succeeded. He succeeded. And, it's like basically everybody won except for the bad guy. So, yeah, hey. It's, it's probably maybe. <laughs> Yay. Maybe this is the happiest ending. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, even though someone yeah. does get killed in it, but he he doesn't, which is good. Yeah. That's a good one. But yeah, and then he leaves at the end and then the butterflies come back out and the the deer comes back out and, and all that. So that's kind of, yeah, interesting. It was, a, it was a really enjoyable one. And I'm sure there's more depth that i'm missing so actually this is a good this whole movie really is like i'm sure there's so many it's so rich that i'm sure we're missing things so please oh, yeah. uh you know tweet us and whatnot and fill us in what do you connect with and all that yeah 
Well, let's move on to number five, which is the gal who got rattled. This is, I think, the longest one, and uh, I liked it a lot as well. But I, again, I don't know. What, what's your take? It's my favorite. It's your favorite. Tell us about it. Yes. Well, this one took the love romantic aspect of the That's show. Oh, yeah. This was the most rom-commy one. <laughs> That's why you yeah. love it. <laughs> Not really a comedy, but romantic. But it was... Well, it was kind of laughable, yeah. like the little situations with like, there's a dog mm-hmm. and a, oh dear, it starts out tragic and oh, it's just, I yeah. love it. Everyone's awkward. Mm. It's like real life. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, your organ trail kind of feeling. So they're on the, mm-hmm. the trail and yeah, it definitely gives you a sense. I think that's kind of a thing in, in Westerns that you see like people are going off to find a better life. And which is just so foreign in our modern culture. Like, yeah, sure. You move to a new town and stuff, but like they're cutting ties with everyone they've known before. Like they'll probably never see this other town again, making this hard, big journey to try to succeed in another place. And she has these sort of plans, but doesn't know what, what's going to happen. But yeah, then there's this nice romance that grows. That was really sweet. Um, Yeah. So I think that was probably my favorite thing about it was, and, and it's also like a romance of uh, practicality and necessity, you know, but at the same time that can work, you know, it's not like they don't really love each other. I mean, they don't know each other all that well, but um, I thought that was well done. Um, and then it also ends with tragedy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so another thing I had just recently thought about was the dog mm-hmm. president. Okay. Was it? I want to say President Reagan. That's definitely not it. Fillmore? Uh, no. President Pierce. Precious dog. <laughs> Everyone on the Oregon Trail hated the dog. So <laughs> they needed to get rid of the dog, sadly. But you could tell the girl was really sad to get rid of the dog. So instead of killing the dog, whoops, the dog just ran away. Okay. Sadly, the dog keeps coming back. And if the dog had been taken care of in the beginning mm-hmm. i don't think we would have had the sad ending mm, that's true yeah i didn't think of that so i mean that's probably a big oversight on my part so she was out there at the end only because the dog was back and she was kind of oh the dog was barking at something out there what what, what was that situation film remind me i don't know that we even know what the dog was barking at but barking at a prairie my opinion i think he knew the indians mm-hmm. were there mm, i see i see yeah that makes sense and then yeah. So, and, and as we were talking before, I was like, well, what, what was the point of that ending? Like, what, what does that say about it? And you said, well, she got rattled. That's, that's the point. That's yeah. exactly right. Like all these terrible things happened to her and she just like seemed very calm the whole mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, like her brother died and had to get rid of the dog. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. going to have to do this. I'm going to have to survive on my own, blah, blah, blah. Oh, now I'm going to have to get married to live. Whatever. And the, she's good till the very end. It's yeah. So sad. Things are really looking up. And then, yeah, she finally gets rattled right at the end there. Yeah. So just a miscommunication. And yeah, again, listeners, please tell us what we're missing with this one. But like I, I did, I enjoyed it. And I thought it was, yeah, really sweet and was really <laughs> genuinely really sad at that ending. So, oh, yeah. another thing. Mm-hmm. Mr. Arthur, that's the older man, right? Yes. Okay, you know, the whole time you kind of think Mr. Arthur has yeah. no emotions. He's been on the trail for yeah. decades, 
running those wagon trains. He barely like, talks. He doesn't have that yeah, much yeah. going on. He, he, you don't know much about him, but he seems really gruff and like, yeah, he's got nothing going for him kind of, but in the very end, he is technically the hero. Yeah, that's true. Could have been the hero really, but it, yeah. he just like, at the end, everything happens at once and you think, oh my gosh, this guy really does know what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> yeah. You've, you're like, oh yeah, go Mr. Arthur. Uh, wah wah. Sad ending. Yeah, it's a good one. And then let's move on to the final one, which is called The Mortal Remains. And uh, this one I really liked. And this one, I feel like I could watch it a hundred times and get more little things out of it. And uh-huh. it really reminded me of like reading a short story because it's a lot of dialogue in one little spot. But um, it, so one reading, and I was kind of like, I felt like I had hints of this, but one reading of it, that I read about online, people are like, oh yeah, I think this is what's going on, is that the three people, so there's two guys who are the harvesters of souls. They're kind of, um, you know, morticians or something, I guess, uh, or they're they're catching wanted men. But yeah, they, they are bounty hunters. Basically. Yeah, bounty hunters. Yeah, yeah. But they use the word harvesters of souls, and then I think from like the way the lighting is, even like the the setting, I think we are to understand that the three people riding with them are. Are their souls are on the way to heaven or hell or something like they've they're they've died. Uh, did you pick up on that or am I off base? You think? I think that's a good analysis. I've been actually anxious to find out what you thought because yeah. some of this stuff it's taken me a few days to think on. But at mm. first, I didn't think that. Yeah, I, I didn't quite at all at first either. And then I was like, I said, I was like, wait a minute, are they dead too? And um, so again, big spoiler warning. But um, I. I think that you can kind of read the ending that way too, because you're looking at this door and like afraid to go through it. And maybe that's the door to the next life or something. But um, I did like how it has these three people. So like there's a conversation that goes on has these three people from very different walks of life arguing about what ultimately a lot of it is just like arguing between their cultures and stuff because they're, there's a, um, a Frenchman and then this older lady who's very conservative and Christian and that's important to her. And, um, and they just kind of get to bickering and it's like the bickering itself is like enjoyable to watch. It's again, another one that really digs into the dialogue of, of what they're saying. And you can tell it's been written very, you know, specifically, but, um, I like that about it. And then, the, uh, the thing that I really thought was kind of cool was, um, it opens up with some singing and then they all argue and the, the argument kind of dies down. And then he sings this song again, like another song. Um, and they sort of all come together and calm down. And I thought that was kind of cool that it seemed like they were all responding to this music and really like it really hit them in their cores, even though they're from very different walks of life. They've just been fighting and suddenly this art brought them together. And it just made me think about like the power of, the power of song, the power of art to be a unifier in that way. Um, yeah. So that, that was, that was a kind of a cool thing I thought about it. Um, what else did you think or questions? Cause I, I feel like I have a lot of questions about what it oh my could gosh. mean too, yeah. but did you have any other thoughts? Well, uh, before I thought maybe they were also dead, I thought they were about to die. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, they're about to kill them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but I really enjoyed that they're all the characters were totally different. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and that they kept insulting each other and 
everybody was weird. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really, it's a fun one too. And I think, um, yeah, another, one thing that made me kind of think, are they like driving through hell or like about to go, go to the afterlife? Whereas right. they look out the window at one point and you don't see the driver's face and there's almost a grim, grim reaper-y feeling. Yes. So I think yes. there's that. And then like the lighting changes and it's like starts out kind of bright and orangey. And then it, mm-hmm. over as it goes, it gets darker and darker in this dark, deep blue and very kind of like it's the dead of night or storms coming or something like that. Right. So like the bounty hunter goes, yeah. oh, the driver will not stop. Yeah, the yeah, the driver will stops. not stop. Yeah, so I it's think policy, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> this mm-hmm. is getting interesting. I've got a one way ticket here to somewhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, so they're, they're going to a hotel at the end, so it's almost like Hotel California or something like you check in, but you never check out, and they're yeah. dragging this dead body up the the stairs at the end yeah so it's pretty morbid right what was the significance of the fact that there was the dead body with them yeah i don't know so that's that's a good question too i don't really know but it's yeah so if if these three souls are headed onto the afterlife then what about the actual dead body too how do you read that i'm not really sure but um it's definitely interesting i think this is you know like many of the coen brothers movies so rich and i think we can watch it a hundred times maybe we do a episode two of this in a year or something after we've thought some more about it or <laughs> after some so, so I, I like to just read what other people are thinking and try to put that stuff mm-hmm. together and talk about it too so i have some scholarship comes out on this movie it's so new that you know maybe we can study up and you know, i'll hear some interesting thoughts about this you know later on down the road i don't know mm-hmm. there you go i'll be wow. on the lookout yeah absolutely <laughs> Well, that is the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I think, um, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Um, I would not be surprised if it gets some awards buzz at the end of the year. Coen Brothers usually do. Uh, it is such an unusual one that, um, yeah, I just don't know exactly what to expect. Because there's also like, there's a lot of really big names in it. If you're going to nominate a best actor, who is it? I guess it's Tim Blake Nelson as the title character, but um you could but his part was like the shortest part yeah it's like really a short role even though it's a big like big in the sense of like a big personality um but yeah small in the sense that it's like 15 minutes or something um yeah so i don't know how how this will go with award season but i i get screenplay i wouldn't be surprised directors maybe best picture i don't know but um as far as oscars go at least i wouldn't be surprised to see it get some of that kind of love yeah well, any final thoughts on the ballad of Buster Scruggs? Um, just that the over overall theme, in my opinion, mm, yeah. is just death. Yeah, I think you can see it that way. Escapes yeah. no one, no matter where you are mm-hmm. in life. Yeah, yeah, or who you are. That's really interesting. So, I'm, as I'm thinking about that, you, yeah, you have all these different people. They see life in very different ways. But yeah, they're, what's constant with human? the human experience is that we're all going to die in the end. And this does seem to highlight that, that it shows that and ends with that big sort of moving to the afterlife story. That's a good point. Um, This is sort of only tangentially related, but um, my wife was listening to a podcast recently, or it was something about the book of Ecclesiastes uh, in the Bible and how that book is so much like, I mean, we, we like to pull little quotes out of it that are like, fun little Christian quotes, but ultimately if you read it, it's kind of like, uh, life is really hard. Working all the time sucks (laughs) and, uh, don't despair. Just 
you know, do the good things, drink wine, have good food, enjoy your spouse. Like it, it, it kind of ends up being that it's like God's over all this. It's, it's kind of <laughs> weirdly the, the message of Ecclesiastes. So that kind of could fit with this. Like here's, yeah. you know, you, you live your life and then you die and there's some nihilism and some sadness in that maybe, but then you can see there's beauty. There's, you know, there's cowboy songs that are really wonderful. There's uh there's romance, even if it gets cut really short, like there was some goodness there. I don't know. So I guess you can also read it really sadly or in a semi-happy way too. True. Anyway, I don't know. Tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, at Arthouse Garage. And uh, I'm also on Letterboxd, and you can comment me there. Um, Amy, are you on Letterboxd? I am. Are you active on Letterboxd? not really that's okay <laughs> no worries i mean it's another thing to do you know i'm big but i'm big exactly. do what you can do and it's there i right. look at it sometimes but yeah. i sure, sure. would be more active on instagram or mm, twitter for sure for sure well we'll link to amy's instagram and twitter as well so if you have questions so right. specifically for her you can hit her up there thank you so much for joining us and um thank you for holding out on the hiatus over thanksgiving break we will be coming back soon with some more exciting episodes um, some plans are in the works nothing firm so i don't want to uh say what but i'm hoping we'll discuss a christmas movie of some kind in the next few weeks as christmas is coming and uh thanks so much for joining us I'll talk to you guys next time Thank you.